Welcome to the Busy Leaders Podcast, a catalyst for inspired action, a lively and engaging podcast hosted by Quint Studer. I'm Nicole Webb Bodie, the Chief Impact Officer for Studer Family of Companies. Quint has a great love for teaching his insights in books and has authored 10 of them in addition to the Wall Street Journal bestseller, The Busy Leaders Handbook. He's always on the lookout for ways to share best practices and great learning tools. Through his podcast, Quint chats with leaders from all industries and corners of America on how they're tackling the biggest challenges of our time. From this fresh mix of voices emerges a compelling picture of what leadership looks like in today's environment. You'll often walk away with tactical tools, tips, and leadership hacks that you can apply to your own business, community, and life. This week, we are joined by Joe Tai, head coach of Values Coach, a firm that helps hospitals build a more positive culture of ownership with courses on values-based life and leadership skills. Joe earned a master's degree in hospital and health administration from the University of Iowa and an MBA from the Stanford Graduate School of Business, where he was class co-president. He is the author of 15 books, including The Florence Prescription, both the first and second editions of Building a Culture of Ownership in Healthcare, which Joe co-authored with Dr. Bob Dent and was awarded the AJN Book of the Year honors. Prior to founding Values Coach in 1994, Joe was Chief Operating Officer for a large community teaching hospital. On the volunteer front, he was founding president of the Association of Air Medical Services and a leading activist fighting against unethical tobacco industry marketing practices. When we think of courage, we often think of Medal of Honor kind of bravery, but according to Joe Ty, there are many examples of everyday courage to be noticed and celebrated. From his work inside hospitals, Joe could see that COVID was pushing them to the brink. Depression and anxiety were rampant. He started to think about what he could do to help. Joe shares his latest initiative, Everyday Courage for Extraordinary Times, as well as advice for leaders during these difficult times. Now here's your host, Quint Studer and Joe Ty. Well, this is an exciting um, time for me. I get to spend some time with one of my good friends, Joe Ty. Um, Joe Ty and I um, go back. We swam in the swim swimming pool of healthcare for many years. And if you're in healthcare, of course, you likely know who Joe Tai is with all his work. And we're going to talk about that right now. So Joe, um, why don't you, for those that don't know you as well as I do, why don't you tell the people a little bit about you and your work over these many years? Okay. Um, I, I, I kid, um, like you, I'm a recovering hospital administrator um, and ended my career in hospital administration as COO of a big hospital, one in Massachusetts and then in Toledo. Um, started writing, started speaking, you know, in the late 90s and got really interested in uh, culture and in, uh, particularly in values. So I started Values Coach and, um, you know, we've, uh, we work with hospitals on trying to help them build a more positive culture of ownership. Um, been doing this for about 25 years now. Well, you've written a lot of books. I have, I think, every one of your books. In fact, I, I, I really do. Why don't you tell people, before we get into your most current project, a little bit about some of the books you've written and um, the impact that they've had, because they've had great impact. Um, you know, I started writing uh, about courage and perseverance, and I've kind of circled back to that. My first book was called Never Fear, Never Quit, and it was a fictional story um, about courage and perseverance. Um, and then uh, um, started writing more about healthcare. And probably the my best known book is called The Florence Prescription. Um, I'd been reading about Florence Nightingale and realized that not only was she the founder of nursing, 
she was also in a very real way, the architect of the modern hospital. And she, everything she did at the Scutari Barrack Hospital during the Crimean War laid the foundation for what our hospitals look like today with the exception of high-tech stuff. And I kid, but I'm not sure I'm really kidding. I, I was writing a, a boring nonfiction book about leadership lessons of Florence Nightingale. And I think she came to me one night and said, Joe, this is boring. Make it a story. So I did. And, uh, and then the other book that's probably best known is Building a Culture of Ownership and Healthcare that I wrote with uh, my friend and colleague, Bob Dent, who's CNO at Emory Healthcare in Atlanta now. And um, that, that is a nonfiction book. And it's, it's more of um, a textbook approach to what we call the invisible architecture, the blueprint behind the blueprint of a hospital. Um, so, and I've done about a dozen other books on various topics related to leadership and culture. Well, thanks. Joe. I, I think ownership, you know, that's one of the questions I was always, I'm always asked is how do you create ownership? And for those of you that are interested in that's a, Joe's a, a great resource for that. In fact, um, many of you might know, um, I still have companies and still have employees and leaders. And every 90 days, we take everyone off-site for two days of leadership training called, well, you call them LDIs. Now we call them PDIs, Professional Development Institutes, because we, we're pretty loose on who can come. And of course, we're doing virtual now. And Joe, I am just thrilled because one of our topics coming up at the next one is uh, how to create ownership. And they asked me, who can speak on that? And I said, Joe Ty, Joe Ty. And, and you said, yes. So, so thank you. Well, you and I were talking a couple months back um, with what's going on with COVID, the pandemic. And of course, you've been in, right in the middle of this with the organizations you work for. And you came up with a, a I, don't, I don't call it a product as much as you came up with an initiative called Everyday Courage for Extraordinary Times. And I was so impressed with this. Of course, we purchased it. I told you you should charge a lot more for it. You, it's a low price, but I know why you did it. But tell us a little bit about everyday courage and extraordinary times. And I'm going to combine a bunch of questions. Why did you decide to do this now? And you move so quickly. I mean, you, you move so quickly to allow this to be available to people while you're testing it, you know, piloting it, making sure that it works. So why don't you tell people about what everyday courage for extraordinary times is? Sure. You know, this really, this wasn't even on my radar at the beginning of 2020. And uh, in the spring, I started hearing from the people we'd been working with how challenging um, COVID was. In the summer, um, I started hearing, we're not, it's not, we got this anymore. It's, uh, we got to do this again. And now I'm hearing, it's not, we got to do this again. It's, we can't do this. Uh, anymore. And, you know, you're hearing it from hospitals in California and Texas where they're overwhelmed, ICUs are full, staffing's a challenge. And what I'm really most concerned about is, uh, you know, we're all looking for this light at the end of the tunnel with the vaccine. Um, and as you know, you wrote the foreword to the book by Diana Handel and Mark Golston on PTSD. And, and in that book, they said, COVID is the earthquake, PTSD is going to be the aftershock. And I'm really concerned that, uh, you know, the, the number of people who say they, they're depressed and anxious has more than tripled in this year alone or in 2020 alone. Um, and I thought, what can we do? Um, what can we, now that we can't travel anymore, what can we do that could quickly help? And I thought, what if I, I had a, 
a series of short conversations on courage and perseverance uh, that challenge people to think about um, this everyday courage. And, you know, we're not talking about Medal of Honor bravery. We're talking about the courage of a housekeeper who goes into a, a COVID room to clean the room so that they can bring another patient. Uh, the courage of a nurse who's got to sit there with a dying patient and an iPad while they say goodbye to their family. You know, the, the courage of a grocery store clerk who, you know, somebody may come up with no mask on and they still have to check them out. Um, and, and so it's just, it's a lot of practical things to think about. How do you create that sort of everyday courage, not just at work, uh, but at home, you know, I'm hearing from a lot of people that the real challenges people have aren't at work. They're, they're at home when their kids are having to stay home and they're, you know, many times having to work from home. And so, you know, there was a real sense of urgency to get this done quickly. And, and as you, as you like to say, to get it in traffic. Well, tell me, Joe, for those, our, our listeners, because um, tell them what it is, for example, I'm out there and I'm listening and I, work for a healthcare system or any other type of organization. Tell me if I um, get everyday courage for extraordinary times, walk through people for people, what it is. Sure. Um, I, I, I decided that rather than hiring a professional studio and doing all sorts of computer graphics, it was just going to be a conversation. So it's 21 short videos, typically 10, 11 minutes where I take one theme of courage. Um, for example, how do, you, how do you manage anxiety, fear, and worry? Three different emotional states. Um, how do you identify the fears that are holding you back? So each video is on one topic. Um, and then I've, you know, as I mentioned, I've written a number of books over the years, things like Never Fear, Never Quit, Staying on Top When Your World's Upside Down. So there are a dozen eBooks that go with it. And then we put together a, a leader's guide. This is how you implement it and a participant guide so that there's one page of key points and, um, and a few extra strategies for each one of the 21 videos. We ask people to, people can use it in one of two ways. Either they can um, do it as a group and that's what I think works best. Um, but we also encourage people, just let, let your people go to it. There are 21 videos, a dozen eBooks. Just let them go where, let them take optimal advantage of it um, and go where they, where it's going to help them the most. You know what I like about it, Joe, is I do think in healthcare, of course, there's times when you can do group, but there's times when you just want that unit secretary. She won't be able to, or he won't be able to. The fact that these are only 10 to 11 minutes long. Um, I've listened. Um, it's you having a nice conversation, but getting through to how to handle certain things. And what I love about it, first of all, it tells your workforce you care. Because right off the bat, you're providing something for them, which shows I care about how you're doing. Number two, it's realistic. You know, they, they don't have a lot of time. So the 10 minutes, 11 minutes is, is really good. Then for those that want to dig deeper, you know, which some will, that they can go into the books, they can go to the participant guide, the leader can do things. Now you piloted this in a few organizations to get to see sort of how it was going. Why don't you tell people about what you've learned as you piloted it or some organizations sort of, you asked them to go first 
so they could give you feedback on it. What, what have you heard so far? Yeah, we've, we're at uh, 14 organizations now, and it ranges from big hospitals like New York Presbyterian to the Tasmanian Health Service, um, your organization. Um, I think the number one thing that we've learned, and I'm sure you've, I know you've experienced this too, is that the, uh, the most important determinant of how successful it is, is the enthusiastic commitment of the leadership team uh, to encourage it and promote it. Um, We have, and what we often hear is that everybody gets something from it, but a few people get an awful lot from it. So I got an email two or three days ago from a big hospital that's doing this. Um, one employee watched one of the videos and um, decided to do something that she had been putting off for a long time. And she was reading the Winning the War with Yourself book and watched the video. And she said, by golly, I'm going to do this. And it's a big challenge. It's a big risk that she's taking. Um, to me, if one person makes that kind of change, it's worth the entire investment for an organization. Because like you said, you're showing people you care. What would you do? You've been out there. I'm a leader. I'm getting this. And I know my employees under stress. I know that there's, you know, unknowns. What What are some of the tips you would give me if I called you and said, you know, Joe, I've got this department. I've got 25 people. We work different shifts. Everybody's sort of anxious. What would you tell me to do as a leader that you think might might happen? Or what video would you turn me on to with the what videos you've done? You know, what advice would you give me? I think the most important thing is um, you have to be visible. You have to be present. Um, you know, in the Lord of the Rings, Gandalf, the wizard, the fictional wizard was known for showing up where he was most needed, but least expected. And I think if you're a leader in a hospital, you need to show up at on Friday evening in the emergency room. Uh, you need to show up at noon in, in food service when they're so busy. You need to show people visibly you care. I think the second thing is that you just simply cannot communicate enough. If people uh, if people are having to guess what's going on or what's going to happen, they're going to they're going to assume the worst usually. And I think whether it's town halls or virtual meetings, um, you, you have to communicate with people what's going on. And I, the third thing I'd say is that you have to have a pretty strong grip on your own emotions. You know, courage is, is contagious, but so is fear. And, you know, if you're a pessimist, if you're, if you're not managing your own anxieties and worries as a leader, um, it's going to infect everybody else. And, and you have to, um, you have to look in the mirror every morning and brace yourself for the day. I love that. You know, I have a not-for-profit called Studer Community Institute. And of course, a not-for-profit, particularly ones like ours who provide services for kids with early brain development and other things, much of our success is based on philanthropy and I, and, or attendance. We have a conference that people attend. And this is wonderful you brought this up because one of the things we had to grab really quickly is people were, you know, there's this idea of being transparent, but you don't want to be transparent where you create fear, fear, you know, Joe, and you're more knowledgeable of this than me. And I think as our leader there was talking about the challenges, the raising money, how difficult it's going to be, people were getting scared and people were getting paralyzed. So isn't it, how do, how do you combine being transparent 
with what's going on, but not creating fear. Is there some tips you would give on that? You asked about the, which video I might recommend. One of them, I talk about the fact that the root of care, the root of fear and courage is the same and, and it's caring. The reason people are afraid is because they care. You know, if you didn't, if you started a business and you didn't care if it was going to succeed or not, there'd be no fear of failure. Um, you write a book and I don't care if anybody ever reads it. I'm not afraid of rejection. The reason you're afraid is because you care. And if you remind yourself why it's important, you know, Simon Sinek talks about start with why. Um, reminding yourself why it's important will give you the courage to do what you have to do. And I think a great real world example happened recently, not far from you, um, at Lake Charles Memorial Healthcare in, in uh, Lake Charles, Louisiana. They got flattened by Hurricane Laura. The town was evacuated. The hospital was largely evacuated. And 20 nurses stayed in the neonatal intensive care unit to take care of the babies through, through all of this. Now, if they'd been asked to stay in the kitchen and, and make sure nobody loots the food or stay in, in the computer center and, and watch over the computer that's got our accounts receivable, they just said, are you out of your mind? I'm out of here. They stayed because they cared. And I, I think that is really the essence. We've got to keep people focused on why they care, what's important, and, and then they'll find the courage to do what they have to do. I think the other thing that's important is to help people without being unreal, without being unrealistic, help people understand that we're going to get through this. Here's how we're going to do it. I have confidence in you. Um, don't panic. That's what we told our people in our um, not-for-profit you know, yeah, it's going to be tough and we're not going to hit our goals that we had this year, but we're going to make it through this. And we were very fortunate because the community responded actually quite well. Now, getting and I getting to the price, because, you know, when you were in town and you told me the price, I was sort of stunned. And I'm all for low pricing. I'm all for making things affordable. But th this one, you've um, I mean, when people hear the price of this, this this you're gonna they're gonna be stunned. So if you don't mind, tell us how you price that price out everyday courage for extraordinary times. Um I wanted to make sure that this is such an important service. I wanted to make sure that it would never pricing would never be an excuse for not sharing this with your team. So we just said it's gonna be a flat two thousand four hundred dollars for the entire organization. Um, that's, a, you know, in a bigger system, that's on a per hospital basis. Uh, but even then we have a, a discount beyond the second or third hospital. Um, and I, I just did not want price to be an objective. And, you know, we're not doing this um, as, as a profit center. We're doing this as a, an important service today. It's something we can do. And it's something that no, I'm I probably uniquely able to do because of the work I've done in the years past. No, I, I just think it's marvelous. You know, I, I think basically it's something out there that I, I think paying a little something is important. My experience is when people pay nothing, they just don't put the work into it. But it's priced so reasonable, like you said. M many executives could almost pay for this out of their own pocket and not even hit the the hospital, um, you know, the hospital charge. It's it's that that reasonable what you're trying to do. And I think it hits so many points. Um so many points of, um, you know, what people need that you care about me, but you give them those tools and those tools to reach out, those tools. That it's really, to me, like taking a, getting a certificate in, in human life. And you have that type of um, connection with people because you're so authentic. 
um, and you're so trustworthy and you have such a great reputation for values yourself um, as a values coach. I mean, you're sort of the icon of values. So I think it's just, I want to thank you on behalf of someone that's been in healthcare for a lot of years and thank you. And for those of you that not, aren't in healthcare, the, youth is not healthcare videos. These are just videos that are really, really good in education, teaching tools. And so we're utilizing it in our baseball team. We're utilizing it in our restaurants. We're utilizing it in properties. We're utilizing it in our not-for-profit. And um, we're very excited about it, Joe. So on behalf of many, many people, I just want to thank you for really being such a role model um, in, in healthcare and in leadership in general for so many years. And, and thank you. And we're going to give everybody at the end of this how to access all your information. And any closing thoughts as you look now into 2021? I know you get this all the time, sort of what you're recommending and what you're seeing. Yeah, you know, um, Jim Collins popularized something called the Stockdale Paradox. Uh, Admiral Jim Stockdale was a pilot in Vietnam. He was shot down. He was the first prisoner of war. He spent seven horrible years in a prisoner of war camp. And and he, he was really the informal leader for that entire community of, of prisoners of war. And he said, we must never lose an absolute ironclad faith that everything's going to work out. But we also must absolutely face the brutal reality of our day-to-day -day facts. And I think that's where we are now with COVID. Um, we've got to absolutely have faith that there is a light out there at the end of the tunnel. But we've also got to recognize um, the... Incident rates, the death rates are as high as they've ever been. Um, the emotional toll that people are paying, if we could make COVID go away today, the, the financial impact, the emotional impact, the cultural impact is going to go on for a long time. And I think we as leaders have to be willing to invest in people and not fool ourselves that some magic vaccine or something's going to make everything better. It's going to be a long haul. Um, and we've got, we can't ignore culture. We can't ignore people. We've got to keep uh, working on it, investing it. That'd be my closing message. Well, and that's what we'll close on. So if any of you wonder why I love Joe Ty, he just explained it in really short terms. I have unbelievable respect and love for um, Joe Ty. So Joe, thank you so much for being with me on the podcast. It's a privilege. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Busy Leaders Podcast, a catalyst for inspired action, hosted by Quint Studer. Please subscribe, rate us, and write a review. For more information, visit thebusyleadershandbook.com.